We get ready. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray now that everything said and done today will be for the upbuilding of your kingdom, Father. We pray that you watch over your word to perform it. And we just give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So two guys were out playing golf and, and they were coming around, they were getting ready to tee off and the guy gets ready and he gets ready to hit it and he backs up and he takes a practice swing and he looks at it again and gets ready to hit it again. And it's part of like, man, hit the ball. He said, you don't understand. My wife is up there at the clubhouse and I want to hit the perfect shot. And his buddy said, dude, I've seen you play golf a bunch of times. You can't hit it far enough to hit her from here. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not all funny. It's just I got it. I'll take any suggestions. Um, all right, so look here. We, we have been going through a, a, a series of sermons, and we talked about the covenant, and then we talked about uh, faith, and then we talked about our mindset. And so this week, we're going to talk about one step further, right? One step further. So last week, we talked about having the mindset of Christ, right? That, that, was, our, that was our goal, was to have the God kind of mindset. But this week, I want to talk about once we get to there, once we understand our covenant, once we have the faith to live by, and once we have the proper mindset, there's one more step, and it's being steadfast. See, it's kind of like dieting, right? You, you, you know, well, I, wait a minute, me, me. I eat a couple of uh, healthy meals and work out a couple times and go, man, I should be losing some weight. And then go to McDonald's for breakfast a couple mornings in a row and go, oh, man, I didn't lose no weight. And I'm sure y'all don't do that. But being steadfast or consistent in what we do is what breeds perseverance, right? And in the Bible, being steadfast is very, very valuable. Because as Christians, the only way we have to lose is to quit. Now, I want to say this, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thin line between them. But there is a thin line between consistent and steadfast and complacent. I do not want us to be complacent. I do not want us to be where we've been for the last five years or ten years or three weeks or ten weeks or fifty years. When it's as good as I got, I want us to push to be where we're supposed to be in Christ. So when I say steadfast and planted and rooted and grounded in God's word, that does not mean that I want you to be stagnant. To be stuck where you used to be. Being steadfast is doing the same right thing again and again and again and again. Right? And so there are a lot of scriptures, man. If you look for, for scriptures to talk about perseverance or being steadfast or being still and knowing I'm God, there's piles of them. So we'll go through this this morning. And, and our goal is our goal is to be steadfast. And, and, and really what that does is, is 
when I'm steadfast, when, I, when, I, when I'm the same at church as I am, at a ball game as I am, at the graduation as I am, out to eat, I'm the same everywhere. I'm the same my nine to five. I'm the same on my weekends, right? That I'm the same example of who Christ wants me to be regardless of what happens around me. That's not easy. This is a very difficult challenge, right? I mean, think about Peter who had been with Jesus and, and, and Jesus told him he was going to deny him three times. He'd been living with him, walking with him, eating with him. And when the world got around Peter, he denied Christ three times in one night, right? So it's not an easy feat to be steadfast and to be rooted and grounded in God's word, no matter who you're around, no matter what's going on. But it's our goal, all right? So we're going to start. Man, I hope my new book will finally get to where it stays open. Man, it's driving me bonkers. Um, 1 Corinthians. And like I said, it, it is piles of scripture. I, I don't believe that I'm going to get through everything that I have written down, but I'm going to work hard to do it. Um, not at a rate that where you can't understand what I'm saying, but as fast as I can. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not vain. So it, it, it is when he says to stand firm... It is not to be complacent, right? It, it is not to be, um, well, this is as good as I got. I'm not working on me anymore. I mean, you know, and, and I, <laughs> it's tough, right? Because you have that personality and you're like, well, this is just how God made me. This is just it. This is just how God made me. Well, is it really? Shouldn't we be working on us? Shouldn't we be constantly trying to be a better version of ourselves, right? I mean, you know, back before the, the building of computers or cell phones or whatever, a new version was kind of silly, right? But, I mean, now, I mean, my phone updated last night, and I got a new, new version of whatever software it is. But as Christians, as we renew our mind and we have faith in God and we grow and develop and we study God's Word, there should be a new version of us. And it should be such to the place of where there's a, I can't even remember, is a, the Robbie 97.7 times 3 times 3. I mean, you know, I don't even know what version this is. But every time we should be constantly upgrading ourselves. But we should be going in the, when, when we talk about being steadfast, it's talking about forever going in the right direction. Right? It's, it's positive motion to being the person that God wants us to be. It's not standing still. Right? Although a lot of these talk about standing firm and standing... But it's not talking about not growing. And I think I used the example last time with a similar sermon about that pecan tree that stands over there in the corner of the yard. It stood still for a really long time. But it's not stopped growing. It's not stopped producing fruit. It continues to produce fruit. It continues to grow. It con continues to go through seasons. Yet it hasn't moved an inch. Right? And so as Christians, as we continue to grow and be who we're supposed to be and be the person God called us to be, that our life gets brighter and brighter and brighter, that we're moving in the right direction. We're moving according to God's word we're trying to develop. So while you're in 1 Corinthians, um, one page over in my book, I don't know where it is in yours, verse 16, 
chapter, I mean, chapter 16, verse 13, be on your guard and stand firm in faith and be courageous and strong and do everything in love. So it is over and over and over in the book of Corinthians it talks about that we, we are driven by love and we have, that that is our goal, right? As we grow and develop in Christ, that we do it, last week we talked about for the right reasons, right? And it is driven by love. So when we stand firm and know God's word, that we are driven by love, okay? Um, and let me tell you, <clears throat> I hope I can tell you, I don't know if I can tell you or not. So this morning, I went back through my notes, I do that every morning. I, I, so I, all week, I, you know, pray and study and read my Bible or whatever, and I make notes in my phone, right? And I have all my notes in my phone. But when I first started, I don't know if y'all remember or not, and one of my first times that I ever preached up here, I had my little iPad, and I was going to do it all off the iPad, and the stupid iPad shut down, right? And so I don't trust the, I don't trust the electrical stuff to stand in the pulpit anymore. And so Sunday morning when I get here, I take all of the tabs out of my Bible, I reread all of my scriptures, and I transfer my scripture from my phone to this nice little handy-dandy little thing right here. So this morning when I was going through and rereading my Scriptures is the weirdest thing. So if you will, turn with me to the book of James. <clears throat> in chapter 1. And when I started reading this, I read it in Granddaddy's voice. Because I've heard him quote it so many times that it just sounds like it should come out of his mouth. I can't do his mouth. Not, not out loud. It was in my head. And, but chapter 1. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you will be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So when we're talking about being steadfast, we're talking about when things come against us, Right? Because let me tell you, if there's no outside influence on you, if there's no attack, if there's no stress, if there's no enemy, if there's no angst, it is really easy to live like Jesus lived, right? I and mean, if you lived in a bubble and everything was given to you and you didn't have to put up with people, if you didn't have to drive down the road and watch people would not use their blinker, or not turn their blinker off, or drive 40 into 50. I mean, if you didn't have to put up with that stuff, it would be easier to live like you were supposed to live. But when we're talking about this, we're talking about in the world, right? And we are we consider it pure joy that when we get in the fast lane and the two cars are riding side by side, eight miles an hour slower than the speed limit. Consider it pure joy when the Waiter takes two and a half hours to serve you without that. Consider it pure joy. Pure joy. And it is difficult to consider it pure joy. But when we, when we are in the mindset that we're going to be steadfast and we're going to persevere, it's that consider it pure joy and we fall into different kinds of things, different kinds of situations. When people are mean to us, when people talk bad about us, when we're put into bad situations. Consider it pure joy. Why? Because we know that it helps us grow into who God wants us to be. And that we can get a hold to who we're supposed to be in Christ 
and be steadfast in it and persevere, that there is a reward coming, right? Um, verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So we're not doing this in vain. We're not standing up against the enemy in vain. It, there's a purpose. There is a purpose. And, and you know, it, it's that old, man, I need patience. You know, I pray for patience, and what happens is God doesn't really give you patience. He just gives you opportunities to be patient in. If, God, if you want wisdom, God gives you opportunities to be wise. It's not a, if you want to get more muscular, you do that by um, resistance. You can walk by those weights a hundred times and not pick them up. They don't make you a little bit stronger. But when you lay down on the bench and start to press against the resistance, that's when you develop. So as Christians, we could be in the bubble and live in this great place. And, the, you know, I mean, even the Garden of Eden had resistance, right? I mean, they weren't prepared for it and they didn't do a really good job defending themselves against it, but it did. But if we were to live in some bubble to where we were protected from all of this, you would not grow. If you sat in your chair all day, every day, and you just had servants that waited on you hand and foot, it wouldn't take you very long of sitting down to where your legs got really weak. And your waistline would probably get bigger, too. Right? Because in that situation, it sounds fantastic, right? I would just sit on my throne and they will feed me grapes. No, that's not how this works. It would be much better to be outside working, having dirt under your fingernails, doing something. Why? Because that makes you healthy, doesn't it? Makes you healthy. Rewards you with long life. A couple years ago, Miss Elsie fell and, and broke her hip leg, something, right? Hip? Huh? Ma'am? Pelvis. Pelvis. When she, it was like seven, eight years ago. And I went to see her, and, and she's, she's hurt. Her pelvis is broke. In 93-ish at that time. And apologized to me that there were weeds in her front flower beds. <laughs> and here I am, you know, 40, plenty healthy, with lots of weeds in my front flower bed. <laughs> Didn't apologize to nobody. I got stuff going on. That's not happening. But when we work, when we do, when we show up, it makes us stronger. It makes us better. It makes us better humans. Right? It makes us better Christians. So as a Christian, if you want to be a better Christian, you can sit inside of the bubble protected from the world. I'm going to tell you, that doesn't make you a better Christian. What makes you a better Christian is to go out into the world and see it and smell it and taste it and be around it and still act like Jesus acted. Now that's tough. It's tough to... Go through things that are not going your way and still have a good attitude. Still be the light into the world. Still maintain your peace. See, that's what perseverance looks like. Perseverance is not sitting still at home doing great. Yep, everything's wonderful. I don't have anything going on. I'm, I'm persevering. Perseverance comes from being attacked and being put in situations that are not comfortable. Um, turn with me to Ephesians. <coughs> I 
chapter 4. <clears throat> In verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the wind of every teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people. Right? So we, we are, when, when, we, when you start out, right, Grandma used to call Granddaddy a green bean when he was a green bean. It is difficult to know who you're supposed to be in Christ. It is difficult to know who you are really as a person, right? I mean, that's why we protect our little kids, right? We protect our little kids away from outside forces because we want them to know what God's word says about them. We want them to grow up and be part of the group, right? I mean, that's why when they're very small, we're very controlling of what they see and taste and drink and do, right? Because we're not because we're mean. I mean, you know, I want to watch whatever I want to watch. Well, that's cool, but you're not mature enough to see it. Right? I mean, that's what we are. So as Christians, when we become a baby Christian, we're not mature enough to see it. It's easy to have your mind turned around or convinced of something that's wrong. That's why the Bible says to study to show yourself approved. As we grow up and develop and mature as Christians, it gives us a situation to be, <clears throat> to stand against deceitful teaching, Right? To where we're not convinced of one thing this Sunday and something else next Sunday and then something else next Sunday. Which which what makes this so important. It's so important for us to be taught God's word. For us to study and learn and meditate on God's word. Why? Because it eliminates this being tossed to and fro. It helps us grow up. It helps us to understand who God wants us to be. Once we develop and once we figure out what God has called us to do and we start to grow up and fulfill that obligation, it is a tremendous, to me, me, it was a tremendous load lifted off of me, right? I mean, in 2000 and early nine, 2009, Granddaddy came to me and told me he wanted me to be the associate pastor. And I laughed. I said, yeah, I don't think I'm that guy. You're not really good. And then I thought, I'm like, well, look, I mean, he's 80-whatever, or getting ready to be 80, I guess-ish. Um, it's not worth it. I'm not going to disappoint my grandfather. I'll do whatever. Not, not because I had the right idea, not because I thought that's what God called me to do. It's because I didn't want Stump to be disappointed. Right? I mean, and you know, I didn't want Stump to be disappointed. And as I developed... And then he made me preach, right? And I preached in the old church a couple times, and then he made me preach over here. And then every once in a while, he just called me and said, Hey, Barney, you got a bullet polish? Yes, sir. Okay, good. You need to preach Sunday. And then it started to be that I couldn't fathom not doing this. I went from I can't even imagine me doing this to I can't imagine me not doing this. There was no way, there's still no way that I could not do what I'm doing. And it was such a load, <laughs> load transfer. It was a load off of me to figure out what God called me to be. And then it comes with the stress and strain of being who I'm supposed to be, right? I mean, it's not, it, it, it still has resistance. But when you 
stand still long enough and know that God's God and you figure out who you're supposed to be. It is such a liberating thing to know who God called you to be. But the problem is, is we can't stand still long enough for God to decide who, who you're supposed to be. It's like going on a ball field and you show up for practice today and you're a first baseman and tomorrow you're a third baseman and <clears throat> next time you want to pitch and the next time you want to play in left field and then you want to play right field then you want to play shortstop then you want to catch. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you trying to be? Who are you trying to be? So when we stand firm in God's word and we start to meditate on who God made us to be and we, are, we persevere, it starts to show you who you're supposed to be in Christ. It's not a quick process. From 2009 to 2018, many times, Crystal and I had a conversation that you're never going to be the pastor of the church. And I know y'all wouldn't believe that, but she told me flat out, this, this is wrong. You're not that guy. I know you too well. You can't do this. And I'm like, no kidding. I know me that well too. I agree. There was no argument. And then... Once I matured a little bit more and said, you know what, I really might be that guy. And then Crystal's opinion changed and said, well, you might be that guy, but I'm not going to be your grandmama. And I'm like, I am good with that. I am good. I do not want you to be my grandmama. My mama has that role taken care of. She's the next. And then all of a sudden, it I didn't, I can't say that it didn't waver any, but I tried really hard not to waver and I started praying, God, I don't care who you want me to be. I want to be who you want me to be. I don't have an opinion. I don't have a, a, a motive. I want you to be, use me for the best way possible. Period. And now I have folks that listen to God's word via Facebook that would never have come out and said, I don't like preachers. I don't like listening to people because they're haughty and high-minded and they act like you're the problem and they are not. And I have never had that opinion. I am the problem. You are not. I'm trying to preach to me. Y'all just get to listen. But I'm not going to be moved away from what God called me to be. When we're steadfast in what God called us to be, we start to develop and grow. Just like that tree. We get a little bit bigger around, a little bit taller, and a little bit brighter light. And then storms come, and sometimes the limbs fall out, or you lose your leaves, or we don't have all that great a weekend, or, you know, I heard you did. Yeah, I did that. Mm -hmm, that happened. Then it made me not human. Then it make you not human. Human is what makes us who we are. If we were all robots, every pew would be full on the first service and we'd be having a second service. And I don't see that happening. But we're human. So we have to persevere and we have to be steadfast in who we are. A couple pages in Ephesians. You flip them over. We'll go to chapter 6. In, in, in chapter 6, talks about um, we war not against principalities and against powers, right? Right. That's what it talks about. Um, and we war not against flesh and blood, excuse me. We war against principalities and rulers and authorities and powers of the dark world. But if you go just a little bit further, verse 14, oh, 
verse 13. It says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, that when the day of evil comes, that you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. See, that's where perseverance comes from. That when you are in the day of evil, it doesn't say on the great, beautiful day, when the awesome, best day of your life comes, that you can look like a good Christian. See, that's the problem. We get so amped up on what we're supposed to look like on the good days. I don't care about the good days. I want to know what kind of Christian you are on the bad days. On the days that everything is going wrong. On the days that it feels like the world is against you. On the days that the enemy is attacking you in every direction. The kids are bad and the house is nasty and you wrecked the car and you lost your job or whatever. I don't care what it is. Those are the days that I'm most concerned over. Because those are the days where the biggest growth comes. When we stand firm, when the day of evil comes and we've done everything and we continue to stand, that's what separates the goats from the sheep, the men from the boys, the ladies from the girls, whatever you want to call it. Everybody can behave when everything's going great. Everybody looks good on those great days. When you're winning and everything's great and the sun's shining and the grass is blooming. I mean, the flowers are blooming and the grass is growing. Everybody can do that. Everybody. What makes Christians special is on the day of evil comes that we are still able to stand and stand firm. That we know that God is God and we are called according to his purpose. That's what makes perseverance. That's what steadfast is about being. It's not about... Well, it was Easter Sunday and everybody was dressed and it was beautiful and wonderful and the azaleas were blooming and all my kids come to church that Sunday. <clears throat> That's not the Sunday. It's in the dark times and the problems and the, and, the, and the situations that happen and when we are being attacked on all sides, that's when we have to decide to stand and stand firm. Have you ever thought about it? What would have happened? If Peter wouldn't have denied Christ, I bet he did. Have you ever thought about that one time where everything was going wrong and you had an opportunity to stand up for God and you slept and fell? I do. I think about it regularly. And so I yearn for the next opportunity that when something goes wrong or something's happening or being attacked or whatever's going on, that I can stand and be a beacon of light. Now, that's much easier said than done. It's much easier said to say that no matter what, that I trust God no matter what. That he supplies all of my needs through his riches and glory. That he's healed me, that he's redeemed me from the curse. And no matter what happens around me, I am steadfast. That's really easy to say. It's a whole lot more difficult to show up and do. But that's what I'm asking you to do. To stand firm. Regardless of what's going on. Oh man, I'm running out of time. Um, Psalms 1. Oh, I didn't mark it. That's okay. I know what that. <clears throat> Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But those who delight in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. So when we talk about 
being steadfast and rooted and grounded in God's word. This is it. This is it. This is the opportunity that we have. That we are not going to walk in step with the wicked. We do not stand in the way of sinners. We do not sit in the company of mockers. That is what separates us out. It's when the world is going against everything and you want to fall right in and you can't. You have to stand up and say, hey, look, I can't. I can't do that. We do right because it's right. I'm a Christian. God made me different. I'm sorry. I can't do that. It's not easy. But when we're steadfast and we're rooted in God's word, it is in those opportunities that we grow the most. Not only do we grow the most, those opportunities, the opportunities in the dark, are the place where the flashlight or the light is the brightest. I know I've used the example before, but if you busted out a flashlight in here right now with all of these gazillion lights in here, your flashlight's not very bright. You get in the bottom of a cave somewhere, you get in the pure black dark and turn on just a little teeny light and it's bright. Our light, when it shines in the most dark places, is when it is the brightest, when it's the most valuable, when it's the best opportunity for us to be who we're supposed to be in Christ. That's our goal. Our goal is to not only look for happy days, our goal is to look for opportunities that when everything else is going wrong, that we can stand and stand firm and be the light of the world. Because the world needs the light the most in the darkest days. We need to be the light the most on the darkest days. And that's what being stand firm is. When everybody's running and retreating, that we stand where God wants us to be and we shine the light into the world. That's what separates us. That's what makes us different. Because we latch on to the promises that he's given us. That we do not use excuses. We do not look for ways to manipulate the system. That we look for ways to shine our bright into a dark world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to be the light into the world, Father. We ask you to continue to use us in those situations. And we give you praise and honor, Lord, for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. amen. If anybody has a need for prayer, if they'll come up, I'll be happy to pray for you.